Please join me in the prayer of illumination. Holy One, as we listen once more to the wisdom of your word, may we be fed both in mind and body. Help us to open your revelation of love and to receive your blessing with grace. And our scripture reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 12 to 20. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of love. Then the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I come from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks. Thanks. This is uh, the first time I have preached on this passage. And for the next few weeks, we are going, well, apart from next week, which is our All Saints service, but for the next few weeks leading up to uh, Advent at the end of November, we are going to be doing a series on uh, Jesus and images of Jesus. Um, Jesus went around describing himself in all kinds of ways. Uh, which is a gift and a blessing because it gives us a multiplicity of images uh, with which to connect to with Jesus. And I think this is one of the gifts of our tradition and our scripture that often God and God in Jesus and God in the spirit gives us a multiple choice array of options for ways to understand and have a relationship with God. And so today we're going to be talking about Jesus as light. In two weeks, we'll talk about Jesus as the vine. And then we'll talk about Jesus as shepherd. And then it is Christ the King Sunday. So we'll talk about Jesus as King. So for today, Jesus is light. Now, I am going to start with um, what, a sort of technical linguistic thing that is really interesting to know about all these times that Jesus says, I am something, something. And then I want to go into the, uh, really what Jesus says right at the beginning of this passage in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, 
but will have the light of life. So here's something that I think is important to know. Any time in the New Testament, in the Gospels, that you read a statement from Jesus that starts with the words, I am, that is code. The New Testament was written originally in Greek. By the time uh, Jesus was alive, and certainly when his followers, um, you know, 50, 80, 100 years later, were writing down these stories of him, the, the, the world of Jesus and much of the Mediterranean spoke in Greek. The Romans were the ones in charge, right? They, they had the empire, they were running everything, they had collected the taxes, they imposed the rulers, they, you know, imposed the censuses, like we heard about in Luke. But Greek was the important language. Sure, people spoke Latin, right? That's Latin is the language of the Roman Empire. But as one of my profs said, Latin was the language you used for bureaucracy. Latin was the language of accounting, of taxes, of administration, of engineering, or, you know, bridge building, tolls. But Greek, Greek was the language of education, of poetry, of song, of inspiration, of education, of refinement. And this is because 300 years before, um, Alexander the Great, you may have heard of him, Alexander the Great, this small ruler from a province in Greece, decided he was going to conquer the known world. And he went and did it in his 20s, made it all the way to India. And then he went and died. Um, so let that be a lesson to any of us who decide we want to build an empire. But the legacy meant that throughout what we now call the Middle East and much of Southern Europe, um, Greek was the language. It had been around for three centuries. By the time Jesus was calling his disciples, uh, they were all speaking Greek. And then they were also speaking Aramaic, which was the version of Hebrew that was still around. But everyday transactions were happening in Greek, which meant that the Jewish scriptures that were read in the synagogue, that were read in temple, the Jewish scriptures that Jesus and his friends grew up with, the Jewish scriptures that they, the songs they sung, the prayers they said, the stories they heard were in Greek. So when Jesus went to temple, when Jesus went to synagogue, he maybe heard them in Hebrew, but he understood them in Greek. So that's all to say that John, the writer of this gospel, knew his Old Testament in Greek. And if you go back to the Old Testament, there's this little story of a guy called Moses. And there's the story of Moses being called of the burning bush, right? Moses is out in the fields. He's just minding his own business. He's tending his sheep and he hears this voice calling him. And there's this bush burning without being consumed. And a voice speaks to him, telling him that he is called to go free God's people. And Moses asks this burning bush, the voice coming from here, Moses asks, what is your name? 
When I go to Egypt, when I go to Pharaoh, you know, he's got all these gods who with names. You're sending me in your name. What's your name? And God speaks from the bush and says, I am what I am. I am who I am. I am that which I will be. All these different meanings in this one Greek phrase. And in Greek, it was ego eimi. And the reason that matters is because the writer of John uses that exact same phrase when Jesus says, I am. I am the light of the world. I am the true shepherd. I am the good, I am the good shepherd. I am the gate by which my sheep pass. I am, I am, I am. Every time Jesus says I am, he's using the exact same words that were used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament that God speaks out of the burning bush. That is a very long introduction to basically tell you that every time Jesus says I am, he is code also saying I am God because he's using the same words that God uses in the Old Testament and we are going to hear that in the next few weeks I am the true vine I am the good shepherd interestingly enough this never says I am a king we have a celebration called Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday but Jesus never comes up. Come back in four weeks for more on that. All right, so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am, I am God. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, when I first read that, I thought, but Jesus, that's not true. Not that Jesus is the light of the world, but when he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. That's not true. Plenty of Christians, plenty of Jesus followers have dark periods in our lives. We have times of suffering. We have times of grief. We have times of pain, both of heart and body. We have times of loss. I mean, next Sunday, we're gonna celebrate all saints. We're gonna have names of people who died in our lives too soon. I mean, we've got, we've got, um, you know, all these beautiful, uh, we, we've got all this beautiful scripture that is so near and dear to us about, you know, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. We've got Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yet I will fear no evil. Darkness is part of our lives. Faith in Jesus is not some, you know, magic invisible screen that somehow, it's, it's not some kind of Teflon coating, right, that just makes sorrow and grief or loss or fear bounce off of us. Bad things happen to people who follow Jesus. So what on earth, what on earth is Jesus talking about when he says, whoever follows me, but will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is when being a preacher is really fun. 
when you get a puzzle like this, when you say, I don't know what you mean by this, Jesus. So, I pondered this. And again, one of the things I thought of is, but who wants to be in the light all the time? Right? Like, if you think of it, yes, um, the dark time of the year can be difficult, right? Many of us have seasonal affective disorder. Uh, when the sky is gray, you know, I, I think of that song, California Dreaming, all the time. All the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. You know, it's just, you know, that depressing time of year. Everything's brown and the sky's gray and there's no light. Darkness can be hard. But darkness is also a gift. If you think about, uh, I remember someone saying once, uh, this woman named Barbara Brown Taylor, an Anglican priest in the, in the US, she said, the Bible talks about darkness as though it's a bad thing. But if you read the stories, a lot of good stuff happens in the darkness. Right? Jacob wrestling with the angel, wrestling a blessing. The darkness of Mary's womb is where Jesus is conceived. The darkness of that tomb on Easter morning is where the resurrection happens. Good things happen in the darkness. And we need the darkness for rest, right? We need the darkness to tell our minds and bodies to slow down and go to sleep and get the rest that our, that our body and brain need. So darkness is a gift. So then I wondered, okay, well, what, what if Jesus is not talking about all darkness? What if Jesus is talking about specific kinds of darkness? So um, the uh, commentary I was reading referenced a couple other places in John in which John talks about the dark. So I went to one of them, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. So I thought, and I thought this was, this was really interesting. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. And I thought about the ways in which injustice happens in this world. So if you take something like corruption, corruption is often hidden, right? So it's, uh, we talk of things like backroom deals or under the table, you know, things that you don't see that are specifically meant to remain hidden. You know, uh, the deals that, that maybe politicians make or have made. I don't want to cast aspersions on all the politicians. Many of them, you know, have very good intentions. But um, 
if you think or if you think particularly of uh, dictatorships or countries where corruption is rife. Um, when I was in Toronto the other week, I had a cab driver who was originally from Pakistan and he was talking about just how devastating the floods are partly because of the corruption in the country, right? So you send this aid to, to this devastated country and you don't know if the money is going to get to where it needs to get because people are sort of going to take, well, you know, two for me, one for you, two for me, one for you. And that happens in secret, right? Or um, uh, deals that are made. We'll tell you what, you, you know, if you vote this way, I'll buy this from you or, or you know, all that kind of stuff. That happens in secret. Whereas if you talk about um, uh, best practices that comes with, you know, whether it's in the business world or any kind of money dealing, transparency is um, uh, a highly rated commodity because if people know what's happening, then then people are held accountable and trust is greater. So, so that's one kind of darkness, the darkness that hides things that are not supposed to happen, the darkness that hides things that hurt people. Or if you think on a more street level, you know, if you think of um, street level sex workers who are out at night when it's when when it's dark and they're more vulnerable um, and um, people, you know, Johns who use their services they're probably not going to go pick up a prostitute in the middle of the day because someone's going to see them. But under cover of night, it's a shield. And it's a shield for an exploitative transaction that is unjust, that is um, devastating, that is physically and emotionally harmful. So there's the darkness of injustice. Um, but then I also uh, looked at, I think it's in here, John chapter 12, verses 35. Um, Jesus said to them, the light is with you for a little longer, meaning himself. Walk while you have the light, so the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. That's another kind of darkness, the darkness of being lost, the darkness of feeling isolated, the darkness of not knowing which way to go and feeling abandoned by loved ones, by God, and maybe even feeling abandoned by hope. The darkness of feeling that all is lost. That's devastating. Because when all is lost, well, what, what's the point? You know, or when you don't know which way to go and you feel alone and isolated, where is God in that? And then finally, I also thought, oh no, I thought of another couple. Maybe also there's a darkness that comes with shame. Sometimes the darkness is self-imposed. Right? If we sometimes we don't want to acknowledge to ourselves what we're doing, we don't want to acknowledge to ourselves that we are in a damaging relationship or that we've done something for which restitution is necessary. Right? In, in the 12 steps of, well, of any 12 step program, there is um, the language of rigorous honesty. 
and the understanding that healing can only come once we have not only admitted to ourselves but to another person some of the things we have done in the depths of our pain and addiction that's a darkness when we when we close our eyes to 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 what is in front of us and what we are doing ourselves and then the self-loathing that can come with that shame is awful it, it is incredibly devastating and shame is a liar because it will also tell us that we are far from god and that brings me to the final kind of darkness that i think takes away our lives and that's the darkness of despair. In the Bible, there is mention of one sin that is unforgivable. And in many Christian traditions, that sin is the sin of despair. And what we mean by that is despair is the belief that God cannot love us, that God cannot forgive our misdeeds, our wrongdoing, our mistakes. And in a, in a twisted kind of way, that kind of despair is actually a kind of egotism because it's saying to ourselves, my mistakes, my wrongdoing are so bad. They're the worst ever and there's no way God can forgive them. And I think that God kind of rolls his eyes at that and says, Oh, honey, please. Now, some of us, yes, have really awful mistakes on our record that have landed us in jail, that haunt us for the rest of our lives. There are deeply grievous wounds that we carry as a result of mistakes. But to believe that there is a limit on God's grace, to impose limits on God and say, God cannot reach me where I am, is to believe the, the untrue. And the reason we have deemed this unforgivable is because, not because of God's grace, not because of limits on God's forgiveness, but because we put a limit on God and we declare to ourselves that we are unforgivable. Friends, this is so human and it is so wrong. And so when Jesus says, those Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I don't think he means that darkness or grief or sorrow or pain or loss will never touch us. I think he means that we will walk with the light that reminds us of the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God. The light that brings us back to life because it grants hope. The light that forgives and heals. The light reveals to us that our shame is so much smaller than we thought it was. Light that reveals to us the presence of God that never left us. So friends, following Jesus is no guarantee of a life without suffering. But it is a guarantee that we will be reminded again and again of the presence of the one who is the light, who carries us, heals us, and protects us through all things. Thanks, Peter.